was 25 and a half, I started a podcast. The goal? To review some of the newest and the latest movies, along with some other stuff. With the help of my guests, I was able to do this. But there were dark forces tampering with my podcast. And with me. They called it an improvised podcast for some reason. I eventually found help in the form of myself. Yes, the me from a universe where the movies I reviewed got delayed. Apparently, my podcast made it to his universe. I know now that it is my duty, for the good of that universe, nay, the multiverse, to keep recapping and reviewing these movies, to hold listeners over until they could eventually see the movies as they were made in their world. For some reason, they come out differently in my world. But it's kind of entertaining that way. My name is Steven Schinder, and this is Delayed Replay. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Delayed Replay, that podcast where we recap and review movies that came out in our universe but got delayed in that other universe. I'm your host, as always, Steven Schinder. And this time, we're talking about a DreamWorks movie that came out back in September in our universe titled The Bad Guys. But first, introductions are in order. Joining me once again, you may have heard him on the Pixar Soul episode last year. It is Jake Damon. How's it going, dude? Hey, man. It's going pretty good. It's been a long time since I've been on a podcast, so it's really cool to uh, be on again with yours. Um, So thanks for having me on, and hopefully we can get me into podcasting mode and have a great episode today. Yeah, for sure. It's great to have you again. And yeah, like this movie was an interesting one. So before we get into it, uh, let's just go over our like overall thoughts on DreamWorks. Like, what do you think of DreamWorks movies in general? And do you have like any favorites? Well, I do like DreamWorks a lot. Um, It's been a while since I've watched the Shrek movies, but I do enjoy those. And another franchise that I think a lot of people forget about nowadays, but at least the first one is a big staple in a lot of people's like uh, childhoods for sure, is Ice Age. And this morning I actually woke up and went out and my wife was watching Ice Age with our daughter. And I was like, I just sat down and I, I was just remembering the beats of the movie as if I had watched it, you know, yesterday. But it's been at least 10 years, but I have fond memories of Ice Age for sure. Oh, yeah. I love Ice Age as well, but that one is Blue Sky Studios. So. Oh, is it? Oh, my goodness. Wait, yeah. I thought for sure that was DreamWorks. Are you no, kidding it's, me? It's Blue Sky. It, it has, like, a very similar wow. vibe to Shrek, though. Like, it kind of feels like <laughs> it's riffing off of it, if you think How- about it. That may have been the most embarrassing moment of my life, but don't edit that out. I want everyone to know how <laughs> stupid I am. Okay. okay, um, okay fair well, uh, forget that. Uh, I may have to go and look at some of DreamWorks uh, movies here, uh, like a list of them to see if I remember any besides Shrek. Um, do, yeah. you, do you know any off the top of your head? Yeah, like I love the Kung Fu Panda trilogy. It's very solid. Um, See, if you if I were to guess, I would have said Blue Sky made Kung Fu Panda, but I do <laughs> I do love Kung Fu Panda too, so that's great. Well, okay. Um, and the DreamWorks Dragons series is also great. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
DreamWorks also does this thing where they make TV shows based on their movies, and they can be hit and miss sometimes, but, like, the dragon stuff I found to be really good. Yeah. Um, Speaking of that, I, I read the book, uh, How to Train Your Dragon, before the movie came out, and it was, like, a favorite book of mine when I was a kid, and so I was super excited when the movie came out and definitely was a lot better than I thought it was going to be, and I think they just, like, got better from there. I never saw the third one. I haven't seen that one yet, but I know the first two were great. Okay, yeah, because... I'm not sure that I know many people who've read the books. So, so like, you know, I've heard some people say, oh, I wish the books were more like, or the books, the movies were more like the books. <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah, so like you really didn't mind like whatever changes they made, like how different is it? Uh, I It has been a very long time since I read the book, but I, I mean, the book was, from what I remember, it was almost like, a handbook you know it's like okay this right. is uh, you know how you train your dragon and there might have been a little story to go along with it but obviously if you're going to make a movie you got to have like it be a story so i yeah they did take some liberties but for the most part it it had the same spirit as the book okay and spirit is another dreamworks movie come to think of it Oh, yeah, that's also one of my favorites. I love uh, my, my wife's a big fan of Spirit, too. So we we've watched that a couple times together. But it's it's a very beautiful movie. Um, it, 2D animation, great soundtrack. I love watching that. It's bizarre how great that movie is. And then seeing like years later what they did with like the TV spinoff and oh my goodness. And also like the newer movie spirit untamed. Like I've see, only seen the trailer <laughs> for that. And it's like, what is going on with this? Like why, why <laughs> don't we get the horses inner voice and point of view thing? Like, yeah, what is this? It's a big downgrade for sure. As we've touched upon, like during this whole bit, like DreamWorks actually makes some stuff based on books like some people forget that shrek was based on a children's book yeah yeah and i haven't read that book but based on the cover it's it seems like it's just interesting that they saw that and they're like let's make a movie out of it and now it's like yeah a, you know for four movie franchise or whatever yeah i'm in the minority loving all of the shrek movies like for some reason people like to pile on the third and fourth one but yeah, yeah. I, I think they're still really good. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen the fourth one, but I I think I enjoyed, you know, all the first three. I'm looking at some of these other movies too. Madagascar. Oh yeah, that was a franchise. I liked Madagascar a lot. Uh Shark Tale, I don't remember a whole lot about, but <laughs> But it was uh, like what, discount Finding Nemo, but it was yeah, kind of yeah. funny. <laughs> um, Over the Hedge, I really liked as a kid for sure. And then um, another thing I think I would be remiss, uh, you know, not mentioning is the Prince of Egypt. Such yeah. A good... Yeah, that one might possibly be my favorite animated film. It's at least yeah. near the top, like one of my favorites. It, yeah, it's definitely in my top 10, if not my top like seven. Maybe favorite 2D animated film, at least. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. This movie we're talking about, The Bad Guys, is based on a children's book series. Like there are about 14 books now, I think, like since oh, 2015. Wow. Um, yeah, the author's name is Aaron Blyby. Oh. 
Yeah, so obviously with a movie, they might take creative liberties. So I went into this movie without really any knowledge of the book series. So, like, I didn't have any, like, preconceived notions of what I wanted this to be. And I was actually surprised that for this movie, they used 2D animation. Like, it's been forever since DreamWorks did a 2D animated feature film, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a while. Um, I'm not even sure when the last one was, but it it is an art... It might have been Sinbad in, like, 2003 or something. Dang, man. Jeez. Um, yeah, that's almost... We're coming up on 20 years. That's that's nuts but yeah it is really cool to see i i've been noticing a lot lately that like you know some studios are kind of dipping back into the 2d animation and it's really refreshing it's really great to see that kind of medium again and this was just an example of like what 2d can be you know it's just like it, it every every uh scene was i i felt like i could just print out and hang up you know yeah like it would take inspiration from the illustration style of the books but then fade into like sort of its own thing mm -hmm. um so that it's more like movie friendly i guess you could say yeah and yeah like this was very refreshing and like dreamworks has done 2d for the tv shows some of it looks subpar but for other stuff like captain underpants like it matches the book style and really captures the humor um, yeah and i liked the film for that as well and um kipo and the age of wonder beasts that one is such a great 2d animated show like i feel like people who enjoyed avatar the last airbender would love that show it has like a similar humorous adventurous vibe if you get what i mean okay yeah yeah the bad guys is about so they start off as these criminal villains and they're like all anthropomorphic characters so we have mr wolf voiced by sam rockwell miss tarantula voiced by aquafina she's a computer hacker uh, Mr. Piranha, played by Anthony Ramos, Mr. Shark, played by Craig Robinson, and Mr. Snake, played by Mark Marone. It begins by showing us like this crime that they're committing, which is arson. Like this, <laughs> this was quite. I, I guess they wanted to really hit the ground running with this. Like, what did you think of this opening it, scene? A little shocking. It was like uh, I don't know. It was it, like it's played for laughs i think it's done well but if it if this if you didn't know this was like a kid's movie or whatever this the subject matter it's pretty dark they're like all right let's set this building on fire and you don't know why at first they explain later but it, it just like the the screaming uh characters like running out of the building it's like man these guys are evil yeah, and they do the Jimmy Neutron thing where after, like, all the people are out of the building, <laughs> they're all like, we're okay, like, just to let the kids know that nobody yeah. died. <laughs> nobody died. This is this is a PG movie, so. Right. Like, like, it looked really cool, though, like, how it opened up and, like, it, like, it was kind of in, like, black and white, grayscale type of thing, but only uh -huh. the fire was in color and then, like, everything else got colored. Like, it looked really cool. Yeah, yeah. And there's just something about the the like the colors just in general in this movie 
pop so well and i think they just do in 2d anyway especially when it's done right but like yeah scenes like this with the fire and just the contrast it's it, it just looked so good so that's when the chief of police comes to arrest them. Well, it's like a chase sequence and it's actually pretty funny. Like the way they're like just driving on the sidewalks and like just not caring about like <laughs> anyone's safety. And it's yeah. like, well, it's like, man, I hope that the kids watching this don't get any ideas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like a great, a lot of great shots. People just diving out of the way in terror and yeah and yeah just driving where you're not supposed to drive but eventually the chief of police catches up to them uh, and it's voiced by alex borstein who if i'm not mistaken is the voice of lois from family guy okay so, yeah so, so like when i heard that voice i was like wait it sounds so familiar and i was like oh wait I, oh that's who it is like yeah wow I, I was trying to formulate a joke in my head when you said that of like her saying Peter, but it sounds like PETA and PETA is against animal cruelty and they're literally like ru almost running over animals. I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to make a connection there. It didn't quite work. but <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. I'll, I'll just leave that in there probably. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> Darn another embarrassing moment. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, we'll see what I decide. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so they get arrested and they, like, do the whole mugshot thing and they get interrogated and the chief of police does this good cop, bad cop thing where, like, she puts on different disguises for each one. And what do you think of this moment? Pretty funny, like, I, I don't know, very, uh, um, like, it seemed like a scene that was pretty fun to write uh it, it kind of reminded me of the good cop bad cop scene from uh the lego movie just like done a little differently but yeah it's been forever since i've seen the lego movie but it's definitely a trope that gets played with in a lot of things yeah yeah so basically the criminals they're all like you know they have this moment of reflection like once they're thrown behind bars and they're like you know what <laughs> Maybe, maybe this sucks maybe we should start being good and so like <laughs> after they serve their time they're let out and i was quite surprised by that time skip were you yeah a little bit it was just like five years later and i was like what is this avengers endgame or something <laughs> yeah i was thinking like spongebob when i saw that caption but like <laughs> five you know, if you years had later. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> And so they're released and they're trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives. They're like, we want to be good, but we don't know how. What did you think of how they were like trying to talk through this? Yeah, they kind of like went their separate ways a little bit, but then started like calling each other because they were getting a little restless and they're like, I, we got to do something, right? And so Mr. Wolf calls Miss Tarantula and she's working at this sandwich shop it like it really reminded me of subway sort of and you can tell yeah. she's just like starting from the ground up trying to integrate herself into society and be like a good citizen and you kind of see that with the other characters too once they start talking to each other it's like they're they're dipping their toes into to what they think normal society does so yeah like it very much 
is supposed to be like Subway. Like, like it's very quick, but when they show like the outside of it, it like the name of the place is Clubway. <laughs> um, and yeah, they specialize in club sandwiches. Yeah, and Mr. Shark works at some boring looking office. And I feel like this was a reference to The Office because Craig Robinson was on that show. Oh, know? 100%. Yep. Yeah, like he was Daryl. Like it's it's basically feels like he goes from Doug Judy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine to Daryl <laughs> from The Office in this. Yeah, 100%. Yep, that's exactly what I thought too. It was like, th there's no way you put him in there and not do an Office reference. So I'm glad, I'm glad they stuck that in there. The way they utilize Mr. Shark in this movie is it's very funny and like it kind of reminds me of the way that um, King Shark is utilized in the Harley Quinn TV show. H have you ever seen that show? I've seen clips, but not enough to like know exactly what he's like on there. Okay, yeah, it's like the show is amazing. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like R-rated. Like there's <laughs> violence and cursing, and it's just so hilarious and well written. Like it, it gets the thumbs up from me. Nice, I'll check it out for sure. So like they're all working at these boring jobs, and they're like, you know, they're at risk of backsliding into a life of crime, and mm -hmm. it, it's like. Man, like, I don't know what's going to happen with these characters, but, like, it's going to be kind of annoying if they backslide this quickly, you know? Right, yeah. It, it, like, basically, the the movie is, you know, them starting off as bad guys, getting in trouble, realizing it's not really that worth it, and then trying so hard to not be bad even the, like it, it just feels like it's in their blood you know so like it, it's fun seeing them try so hard and fighting against their nature basically like one of them almost tried like robbing a bank but then like you know had the classic devil and angel on the shoulder <laughs> thing like cronk from emperor's new groove yeah yeah that's um, one of my favorite scenes yeah <laughs> No, no, he's he's got a point. I was just thinking that quote. <laughs> I can do this. Yeah. Um, but th this other character voiced by Zazie Beats, uh, her name is Diane Foxington, and she is kind of the one who tries bringing them together to, like, try to reform them. Like, she's um, researched, like, she's, like, brushed up on their past crimes and what they've done. Like, you yeah. know, ha hacking computers and robbing banks and jewel heists and whatever. Well, you find out she has a past of her own. Like, she's a fox, and it's definitely in their nature to be, you know, sly and, and steal things and stuff. And so she broke out of that mold, and now she's helping these guys do the same, basically. Yeah, only shooting stars break the mold. Oh! <laughs> Shrek reference! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it feels kind of Zootopia because, you know, with, um, uh, what's his name? It was like that Fox character. In oh, Zootopia. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this, this really gave me a lot of Zootopia vibes. Just, you know, the intermingling of different species and stuff and the stereotypical personality traits you would associate with certain animals and stuff. And the, the, I think they did, you know, Zootopia did a great job with it, but I think this kind of took it one step further with the depth of what a character like that can be. Cause like, yeah, you got a fox, but 
they started off bad and are good and that's all in the past now now they're introducing that character as a good character basically yeah like i love zootopia and it was hard for me to not compare this against that um i've heard there was like this version of zootopia that almost happened where like i guess originally it was more dystopian and like a little bit more dark or whatever and I haven't read up fully on what it would have been like, but I just remember like someone on social media was like ranting and being like really mad that like that's not the Zootopia that we got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I am glad that we got Zootopia at all though. That's another yeah. movie, but yeah, like the moment where um you know Judy is crying and apologizing to Nick like gets me every time. Oh yeah, oh yeah, full of emotion. Yeah all the feels as the young people would say. <laughs> yep. Uh, this movie had a lot of feels too. I'm not going to lie. Oh yeah. Like, like very Cause like they start off as like these one dimensional characters, but over time they get more dimensions, like not in terms of the animation, like it's still 2d, but like they get more depth, you know, you yeah. start to feel for them when they're feeling, you, you know, there's a scene where they're all like, crying about all the crimes they committed and they each have their baggage and they basically become like a support group for each other and it gets emotional but then there was a moment where it clicked in my head where i was like wait a minute this is kind of like wreck it ralph like the whole (laughs) uh, i'm bad and that's good type of thing (laughs) yep absolutely yeah, I feel like it takes inspiration from different things, but the amalgamation of what it creates is just something totally new. Yeah, it's kind of the inverse of the Emoji movie, where it takes things from multiple things that are good, but then ends up being pretty mediocre somehow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen the Emoji movie, but it's something <laughs> Oh, I have steered clear of that just based on reviews and how it looks. <laughs> I know one of my friends was like surprised that Patrick Stewart voiced the poop emoji. <laughs> but I was sitting here thinking, you know what? That doesn't surprise me because Patrick Stewart is on American Dad. So he'd be down for like that type of humor. I would. Feel. Oh, yeah. Yep. He's down for anything. And so Diane Foxington has to give them this, like, really good speech where she's like, you know what, we may have come from these dark pathways, but we're able to change who we are. We get flashbacks of, like, her past and when she was part of this group of thieves and they, like, abandoned her when, like, the police were nearby and that's how Diane got arrested. And it's like, you could really feel how alone she was in that flashback moment oh yeah 100 percent. yeah that's just another example of like just how like just good character studies basically it's like super relatable too because we've all felt like that and i don't know just the close-up face shots and the the inner monologues you hear and so many different things that make bring weight to these emotional scenes that i really appreciated yeah, and as the movie continues unfolding, we get a look at the villain of this thing, which is Professor Marmalade. Um, 
who's voiced by Richard Iodi from the IT crowd. Yep, one of my favorite shows, and I I loved him in this. He basically did the same, like, he, the Moss voice from the IT yeah. crowd. It was that in this, basically, but I love that voice, and he really... It was, like, a silly character, but, it, like... I don't know. I I think my favorite thing about it is like the whole twist that, okay, so you have all these main characters that are the bad guys that are trying to be good. And then Professor Marmalade is this character who's like trying to look good to the world, but is really bad, actually. And that's the whole angle on it. Yeah, he's like this oversized guinea pig character. (laughs) And it's like really weird to see like a guinea pig that big yeah um it kind of reminds me of that south park episode where there's like a guinea pig pandemic i think that's what happened (laughs) i don't know it's been a while i think i think it was like the cloverfield parody yeah um but yeah he he's like human size uh, like some of these other characters um (laughs) and yeah and he basically you know he's like studied the you know, all these former criminals as well. And is basically like you using all their skills and trying to master them. And so it's like, in a way they created him and he's right. And he's like, even um, learned how to master computer hacking. And this makes Miss Tarantula feel really guilty when like, she hears that, like she's the reason that he got into it. Right. It, It really reminded me of like, kind of how taskmaster works in marvel comics where he he basically takes the skill sets of different avengers and uses them against them and that's basically what he does here with like abilities and and uh and things and it, it very interesting you know to see how they come up against it and figure out how to def- defeat him based on those things yeah like professor marmalade has like this huge set up in his lab like it looks kind of like a bat cave type of thing <laughs> yeah like, yep. like if i was a kid watching this uh, i would like be you know when, when playing pretend i'd be like sick this is the lab i'm gonna pretend i have it when <laughs> playing <laughs> yep exactly yeah it's got like the oversized monitors and one of the computers also looks kind of old school like 90s with the green text and Mm -hmm. he explains that it's just for aesthetic purposes (laughs) (laughs) yep i'm like i've definitely been there i i have bought some uh cathode ray tube tvs before just because they look cool right this is when he decides to commit a major crime in the city. Now, what what do you think of how this went down? Uh, I thought it was very, you know, again, pretty freaky. But like, yeah, he basically tries to blow up the entire city. That's nuts. There's a bomb. Thankfully, the city is alerted and they, you know, pretty much uh, evacuated, but just barely in time. And Basically, the city is flattened, and it's pretty. It's a pretty uh, harrowing moment in the movie for sure. Yeah, like even though like the citizens made it out, it's a very bold choice for a movie to just like destroy the city because it's like, well, now where are all these other people going to go for the time being? You know? Yeah. Yep. And the other thing, like when the citizens are kind of like 
walking back in slowly and like looking at the debris and the things that have been destroyed and the, you know, family heirlooms that are just ruined and, you know, cracked glass pictures, you know, picture frames and things like that. It's just, it's, it's sad, you know? Yeah. And they're like firefighters, you know, jo- doing their job like right away. Oh, and, yeah. um, we also have Lily Singh as a TMZ reporter. And like before this, she was like reporting on the crimes of like, uh, you know, the bad guys we mentioned. But in this moment, like, y- you know how with TMZ, it can be like sometimes you get like the reporter who's just like, it looks like they're trying to get the sensational news. But in this moment, she looked really serious about the whole thing. Like as she was reporting the how the city has like fallen down she was like tearing up and like she felt more like a person than a stereotype reporter type of character in that moment yeah i agree with that she she kind of made that scene work as far as the dialogue because she was saying what everybody was thinking basically so you you saw what the reaction to the or like the people's reaction when they were walking in but she was voicing it basically yeah and professor marmalade gets some of the debris and uses it to build like his own basically to piece together his own um mech suit to like i guess it's (laughs) made of like steel and concrete and stuff it looks like it's made of a lot of materials yeah like yeah i mean the whole reason he decimated like it was kind of a you know, kill two birds with one stone type of deal, um, to borrow a, a phrase, but it basically, he, yeah, he wanted to flatten the city, but he also wanted that raw material for the mech suit. And that was the quickest way to do it basically. Yeah. And you know, the bad guys, um, as we're calling like these reformed criminals, they see the sadness that's affected like all these people. And they're like, you know what, I really want to cheer these people up. And they're like, well, how do we do that? And then, like, you know, in the debris, they see, like, uh, some sort of poster for, like, music lessons. It's, it's like, half torn, but still readable. And they're like, you know what, maybe we should be a band and play a concert for these people. (laughs) And in my head, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) But it it really does bring everybody together. Yeah, like there's like this montage where they're rehearsing. Like, what'd you think of the instruments that they chose for like each of these characters? Fitting, you know, because you've got uh, Miss Tarantula has all the arms, so she was playing the piano and, uh, you know, things like that. Where it's like, okay, I could see where you know where they had fun pairing different instruments with the with the characters like mr snake he you know no hands or fingers so he has to blow on a trumpet or you know things like you know a a buttonless trumpet basically it was like a bugle yeah and mr shark you know craig robinson is such a great singer in his own right so he's one of the singers and also plays bass and yeah. <laughs> and since Aquafina voices Miss Tarantula, she also provides vocals. Like she has a microphone by her like giant uh, keyboard set. Like it felt very. She's very surrounded by different types of keyboards. It's like, wait, where does she get all these? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Mr. Piranha playing this um he he was just bouncing on drums basically because he just had fins so he would like yeah, jump like out he... of his bowl or whatever and just like use his body to go from one drum to another then hit the hi-hat or whatever jump back into his bowl for more water come back out yeah he was like flip-flopping and whatnot yeah it, it's re he's really funny because he's he's this human-sized piranha wearing like a you know a <laughs> a, nor a business casual suit but he's, yeah. he still has to lie in a bowl everywhere he goes it's <laughs> like really funny yeah and Mr. Wolf is, uh, I think he was on guitar. And yeah, like this concert, like, you know, Diane Foxington uh, was also playing like, it, it was like this sampler machine where she would play like different electronic sounds, you know? Right, yep. And, you know, the, the style of this music, it's kind of like a hodgepodge of different things, like kind of a mix of, electronic and like something else like did you catch any hints of like different genres during this concert i mean it was a little jazzy a little electronic there were you know there there was a lot of different styles like i hadn't heard anything quite like it before but i could see where they got influence from it might have been based on something i don't even remember like they opened the movie with billy eilish's bad guy which is appropriate and then oh yeah you know, then you got this and i'm like well this would have been that would have been cool as like the climactic song but they're good now so you can't really sing <laughs> yeah and you have them singing like we are the bad guys but we're good again <laughs> it's just it's just like a typical like when you get right down to it it's it's a bop you know oh yeah like, oh, like yeah. it's just like the whole crowd is like really into it and their spirits are being lifted yep but then, like, Professor Marmalade shows up, and it's like, oh, wait, yeah, there's still a villain in this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He does, like, this villainous speech where he's, like, where he basically does a thing where he's, you know, some people, when they criticize music artists, they say they preferred their old work, like, their classic stuff. And he basically says that about the bad guys, but, like, saying he preferred when they were criminals right yeah and then yeah. mr wolf kind of gets in front of everybody's like well you're gonna have to get used to the new us basically yeah it's almost like a weird metaphor for like rock bands you know respecting rock bands new direction um over like what they used to be type of thing i, I don't know if i'm reading into it too much but that's kind of no. what came to mind for me yeah that that's basically what i thought too I mean, Nightmare Before Christmas is kind of like that, too. Like, Jack Skellington playing all his greatest hits, and he's just tired of it and wants to do something new. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, that. basically, like, like Danny Elfman has said Jack was such an easy character to play because he saw himself in him for, like, some of those reasons, probably. Yeah, yeah, that's a great callback, actually. And, and so the bad guys are basically... You know, they do the thing where they try smashing, like, a guitar on uh, the mech suit. Um, and, you know, it's like a callback to that old rock and roll thing. Mm -hmm. Like, the guitar is still not enough to, like, damage the mech suit. Right, yeah. And basically what they have to do at the at the end is get him tangled in the in the still standing power grid just to shut the whole thing down. But the only way they can do that is if they all basically do it together. 
feels very Iron Giant to me, like the yes. power grid thing. Yep. Like they're basically uh, trying to bait him um, by saying, hey, you may be bad now, but you'll never be as bad as we used to be. <laughs> and, and he's basically like, I'm 10 times as bad as you used to be. And basically like he just takes the bait, you know? Yeah, yeah. And th- this uh, gave me some uh, Despicable Me vibes, too, just in the whole, like, glorification of being a villain, sort of. That's kind of what I got. You know, it's like... Yeah, how or grew. Megamind. Or Megamind. Yeah, that's a great... That's a that also DreamWorks. That's a, a very good example. Yeah, the, the, those two are pretty similar movies. Like, I remember when I used to write fan fiction... I had this idea to combine some 3D animated movies into a crossover. And so like Megamind and Despicable Me were like a couple of them. <laughs> That's um, awesome. But like I rarely ever finished writing fan fiction stories. And it got to a point where I just got busy with other stuff and preferred writing yeah. my own original content. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I really liked this fight. And the music is like really good. Like it, if it has like a heroic teamwork type of vibe you know like that type of score right yeah it it really reminded me of some like uh i don't know avengers movies or just superhero movies where that that have a really banging score you know to really get you into the action yeah shades of that black shades of Zack snyder's justice league a bit yeah yep absolutely they even like put on these jumpsuits that look very superhero-y um, yeah you know yeah. different colors and like this uh symbol where it's like it it says the bad guys but it's stylized and it looks really <laughs> cool <laughs> yep yeah very clever so they lure him to the power grid and basically that electrocutes his mech suit and he has to like eject himself and so he presses a button and now like the ejector seat launches him to like somewhere else in the city and like they still have to like go after him which like it kind of felt like oh this isn't the end of the movie Uh, okay (laughs) (laughs) they like try looking for him and they eventually find him in this destroyed pottery place symbolic you know it was just like the tearing down of of your old self and the the breaking up of what you used to be and the imagery in the background of an unfinished pot basically that was like still being formed it was like oh that's what's happening with the the characters as they're being turned into something new and better basically yeah that, that's a good point they ask him why he ran to this pottery shop and he was like this was where i used to go when i was good right yep but then i wasn't good enough at pottery so I decided to be bad. It's like, yeah. it's like well, okay, I've, I've heard better, uh, I've heard better, um, you know, reasons to become bad, but I'll sure I'll take it. Yeah, it's like such an absurd villain origin story. <laughs> like, but... there's a there's just an awkward pause, and Mr. Wolf goes, "Wait, seriously?" <laughs> yeah, and he's basically like, "If I can't be good at art, then nobody can." <laughs> Yeah, he's like you, you. So you blew up the city because you're bad at art. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he was like, "No, I blew up the city because now it looks like my greatest art." <laughs> and and he and he tries like 
he pulls out like an art history book that shows different art styles and how there's like some postmodernism stuff where it's like, you know, these decayed looking objects and like broken blocks and stuff. And he's yeah. like, this is who I am now. Yep. It's like this was such an absurd scene, but I just <laughs> It works though. Like it's it's funny. It's like it fits in the tone of the movie and doesn't it doesn't detract from the emotion of it, but it gives you a laugh. Yeah. And the chief of police manages to arrest him while he's giving this monologue because you know he's like super distracted and full of himself. Right. Um and you know, they, they say to him, You know what? You wanted to be like us. Maybe someday you'll be like us, but as we are now, our better selves. Yeah. And there's like this cheesy music and like light behind them that like <laughs> illuminates them, showing how good they've become. Yeah. And then through the wreckage of the pottery shop, somebody comes up to the door. I mean, in the midst of the, the wreckage of the city as well, and just goes, hey, are you open? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like, where has this person been if they think this place is still open? <laughs> it's like, did you not see? I mean, yeah, it was kind of a running gag through the movie, though, because like it, it, there you'd pass a character who would be on their headphones looking down at their phone and something crazy would be happening and they wouldn't notice because they're so absorbed in their phone. And this character basically at the very end looks up from their phone finally and is totally unaware of what has happened. Right. <laughs> And so they're like, well, what are we going to do now? They like look at um, the clay that's used for the pottery. And one of them is like, we are going to reshape this city. <laughs> and and like you, we get like this montage of the city being rebuilt. And it's set to the song, we built this city, which I think might have been used in one of the Lego movies. And so it's like, <laughs> oh, we built this city. <laughs> We built this city on rock and roll. It's like, okay, you're not even trying to use a different song. Okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. We even get to see, like, the characters actually making pots at the pottery place. So it's like they've reshaped themselves, uh, I guess you could say. Yeah, exactly. And they, you know, it'll show what each one has made. And it it's something having to do with what they learned, basically. And it reflects, you know, who they are and how they've grown as characters. They do this final, like, conversation with each other, which, you know, talking about how far they've come. And it, it was, like, really heartfelt. Like, what did you think of this conversation? I thought it was extremely heartfelt and it again just kind of caps on the on the emotion it was a good like bow on the whole film i thought uh, you know it, i could tell that the writers were like okay we need to basically sum up exactly what this movie meant and taught in this scene basically yeah definitely the voice acting throughout this movie was just like on point. Like each of the characters really stood out, felt like their own person. And yeah, like we've said, Professor Marmalade, like very funny. Thanks to like the actor who plays him. Yeah. Um, were there any moments that were your favorites, like a funny moment or something? Oh man. I mean, one of my favorite moments probably was when uh, Mr. Shark walks in on mr snake 
while he's in the bathroom that one time and it's just very awkward and hilarious and there's lots of uh door slamming and oh oh what oh i'm sorry i'm sorry and it's, <laughs> it's kind of slapstick but it really it made me laugh pretty hard yeah that that one was pretty funny uh, i loved when um there's that scene where one of them has to deal with an auditor because you know they they hadn't paid their taxes because of like very life of crime or whatever and so it was like this really long tedious scene where the auditor is like looking through their like files and stuff and it was just it just felt very um deadpan and like i thought it was pretty funny for sure there there was a lot of i mean that was one of those jokes that was like definitely adults would get that like that's what i liked about this movie too is there's lots of jokes for adults and kids so yeah, I often feel like DreamWorks, maybe more so than, um, like, I, I don't know if this is correct, but I, sometimes I feel like DreamWorks does, like, more so than, like, Disney animation or Pixar, like, skew a bit with, like, the adult humor. Yeah, um, especially with, like, Shrek and stuff. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the animated movies from all these different studios, they have stuff that would adults would understand like stuff for everyone to enjoy but i i think dreamworks um more so does adult humor every now and then um yeah or that could just be me remembering how much of that was in shrek and shark tale Um, yeah yeah definitely those two for sure i think shrek shrek was really one of those movies where like you know your parents would watch it with you and be like wait did they just say that did they you know did they just imply that i'm like yeah (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> there was also this um post credit scene that was pretty funny where like Mr. Shark gets a visit from another shark who very much looks like Lenny from Shark uh-huh. Tale. Yep, yep. And he's like, Hey, look, I turned into a good shark too. And he's like, Whoa, <laughs> I'm so happy for you. And they like go out to hang out and whatever. Yeah, they just call him cousin Len and it's like, Okay, that's Lenny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like wearing like a a suit looking thing. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, unless you have anything else to say, we could go into final thoughts and scores out of ten. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, my final thoughts are like, again, just a beautiful film, um, subject matter and visually, just really good. It's it's one of those movies that teaches a, a great lesson, but it doesn't do it in a cheesy way. It's one of those movies I want to show my kids, and I just. I'm going to like rewatching it just to look at the beautiful animation. So I really liked it. There, there weren't really any slow points for me. I mean, there was, I don't know, maybe, maybe when they're cleaning up the city, like they could have sped through that a little bit better, but I don't know, just overall a really good job. And, uh, so, you know, some slapstick humor, like I said, but like, I even laughed at that. So I don't know. I'm going to, I think, I mean, I'll let you give your final thoughts first. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I kind of agree about the rebuilding thing. Like I felt like they were prolonging it because they really wanted to use a song for a long duration of time, you know? Yeah. But overall this movie I found to be pretty refreshing. I I, I don't know if that's just because it's 2d, but like, yeah. Like, it does have elements that feel very familiar, mm-hmm. um, like, in terms of the plot and whatnot. But overall, I thought it was 
very enjoyable and I would definitely watch this again. So I would say my score for the bad guys is I'm going to give it eight out of 10 trumpets. Trumpets. Okay. I'm going to do nine out of 10 pots. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I can think of. Yeah. I mean, that was like the pottery store. Yeah, that that was one I was thinking of using actually, but I was like, eh, I don't know. But yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so looks like this was very enjoyable one for us. Oh um, yeah, I I mean I do think it's like one of DreamWorks' best. You know, like I I love uh like I said I love Prince of Egypt and stuff. And I do think that movie had you know heavier subject material and was just overall a heavier punch of a film. But this one was just such a great blend of humor and uh, uh just like what it means to not be hindered by your past and to not be restricted by that and to let go of your baggage move forward and it just taught it in such a fun way you know so i i I just i think it top to bottom is one of my favorite dreamworks films yeah there are definitely some dreamworks movies i still prefer like from the shrek dragon and maybe Kung Fu Panda series. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. Definitely Prince of Egypt. But there there are also other DreamWorks movies that I don't like as much as this one. Like, you know, The I, Boss Baby, for example. Like, even though I love The Boss Baby TV show, like right. The Boss Baby movie, not as much. <laughs> I, to me, it's like, it's the, like, DreamWorks has more misses than hits compared at least compared to like disney or pixar or whatever um and i just think that this movie is definitely in that like top top tier you know i could see this becoming a a franchise maybe i'm not sure where they would go with this but like they're just likable characters memorable you know i I don't know i'm not gonna forget it And, and i mean they have more source material to work from like i don't know how close this was to any of those books but yeah, I mean, I yeah, but who knows? Maybe, or maybe it could get its own TV show. Even uh, yeah, some of the other I was gonna say stuff. a TV show could be really interesting. I think, I, you know, I wait. Do you know where the Boss Baby show it, plays? Is that like exclusively a Netflix thing, or is it like on a? Yeah, it, yeah, it's on Netflix. Like pretty much all the DreamWorks shows are made by Netflix. Okay, gotcha. These days. Yeah, it could totally do well on there. Yeah, although with Peacock being a thing, I'd be curious about whether they would do it there instead or if they would still just do Netflix. Because, like, Universal and DreamWorks, like, are kind of hand-in-hand. So I could kind of see, like, maybe Peacock trying its hand at, like, a TV show based on this. Right. Who knows? But, yeah, I guess that'll do it. Thanks for joining me again, Jake. Where can people find you online? Sweet. Yeah. Thanks uh, for having me. It was very, very fun. And I would love to be on again. Uh, Just let me know and we'll see if we can make it work. Um, But you can find me online on Twitter. You can find me at Jake Damon, uh, all lowercase letters. And then uh, on Instagram at Jake W. Damon or my uh, art page is at Jexpatch, J-E-X-P-A-T-C-H. And you can check out my website, Jexpatch.com if you want to purchase uh a poetry book i put together over the course of a a year or two uh i think it was like a year and a half 
total, but uh, I was inspired to do it after uh, somebody I, I looked up to passed away and I just had a lot of of things in my head and it kind of took off from there so check that out it's called the quarter horizon and uh pick up a copy i've got some left yeah that's such a good title man (laughs) thanks yeah i mean i did it before uh before i turned 25 and i was just thinking of my my life in terms of like quarters of 25 you know say i was lucky enough to live to 100 and i was approaching 25 so that was like the first quarter of my life and i was looking at the at the horizon of that so that's why i called it that yeah quarters are not just for laundry yep exactly exactly <laughs> i should that, that should have been one of the poems in there <laughs> well yeah listeners can check that out and as for my plugs, you can go to stevenshinder.com, see info on my novel, Lemons Will My Grain. Which um, I'm reading. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm liking it so far. I'm having trouble finding time to read it, but every, you know, any chance I get, I'll read it. Oh, yeah. Like, you're not alone. Like, other people I know, um, like, it took them a while to get through it because of how, you know, their schedules are like. But eventually yeah. they, like, finished and... Yeah, like I'm always curious to hear what people will think of it because, like, I made it. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like every other artist in the world. Yeah. I'm curious what people think about it because I made it, you know? Well, like, is, is there an artist who puts something out in the world and just do- isn't interested in what people think about it? Like, it's I don't hard know. To imagine. Well, some people, like, you hear some artists be like, no, I just did it for myself or whatever. And I'm like, I mean, I do. St- I, I do stuff for myself, but also I'm just insanely curious what people think about it. So, yeah, or they'll be like, I don't look at my old work or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's like, how? I'm just like constantly obsessing over it and how bad it is. Right. People can check that out. And whenever there's an update on the next book I'm trying to finish, it'll be up somewhere. Uh, you can follow me at Steven Schinder on Instagram and Twitter, Steven Schinder Storytelling on Facebook. If you want to email this podcast, you can email delayedreplaypodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on, I don't know, sharks, whatever. <laughs> Pots. <laughs> yeah. You can also listen to me and my dad on the podcast Yes Shift, where we talk about the progressive rock band Yes. You can find that at anchor.fm slash Yes Shift or on all the usual podcasting platforms like apple spotify etc guess i'll do it and the next episode of delayed replay will be about avatar 2 that movie's finally come out in our universe but without further delay have a good day